This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black on Federal News Network. One-on-one interviews with the people who've left a lasting imprint on the government and the nation. Now your host, Aileen Black. Today I'm talking with Michael Amore, owner of Cafe Amore. We live in an amazing city, Washington, D.C. D.C. is rich in history and people who have made and are making history. Our nation is what it is today because people had dreams and had the inner force to make it a reality. Nothing, at least for me and most Washingtonians, is more important than the first cup of coffee to start your day. Today, our guest is Mike Omori, owner of Cafe Omori. If you live in Vienna, early in the morning, you may find me or a member of my family at Cafe Omori. I'm clearly a huge fan. (laughs) If you arrive early in the morning, you probably will smell the coffee beans roasting. I don't know how to describe it, but it's simply amazing. Cafe Amore used to be a Vienna town secret, but not anymore. Uh, Cafe Amore has won numerous awards, including Washingtonians Magazine, Best Indie Coffee House, WTOP, Beth Coffee House in the DMV, Village Green Restaurant, Green Virginia Green, I'm sorry, Restaurant of the Year, uh, uh, Best Coffee Houses, uh, Northern Virginia Magazine, and featured in Virginia Loving Magazine and the Connection Newspapers. It was also named in Money Magazine as Cafe Amore is being one of the best reasons to live in uh, best places in the U.S. to live and named Vienna as one of them. And finally, it was featured in Kiplinger's Personal Finance Magazine as one of the biggest uh, business, small business success stories. So, wow. Well, Michael, first, very impressive. It's a pleasure having you on the show today and welcome to Leaders and Legend. Oh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's begin with Cafe Amore and, and how it got its start, Michael. Um, according to my research, 50% of all small businesses fail after the first year. What inspired you to stop being a, which you were a very successful TV producer, and then stop that all to open a cafe? I asked myself that many times. Um, you know, it was interesting. When I was in college, I think like many, many kids in college, you always say, one day I'm going to open a coffee house. And it, you know, you envision yourself as a sitting there and sort of solving the problems of the world, sipping espresso and, and, and it went on and it was always something that was in my head. And then, um, one day, you know, I always liked coffee. One day I saw an article on, um, you know, on the internet about, roasting coffee, home roasting coffee. And I thought that sounds cool. So I sent away and I got some green beans and I went to a thrift store and I, I purchased a hot air popcorn popper for $2 and roasted coffee at home. Uh, with a hot With air. a hot air popcorn <laughs> popper, yes. And it was like, this is really cool. It, it tasted amazing. You know, I was a Starbucks guy, would go stop every morning and it was better than a cup of coffee I'd ever had. So... I started roasting at home in my little hot air popcorn popper. I could roast enough for like two cups and then started roasting for friends. And then I bought a cool little home roaster and every year at Christmas I would roast for family and friends. And one year as per my normal, I was behind schedule and I was roasting batch after batch after batch and ended up melting the back end of it. 
and thought, okay, this is, you know, my hobby is, is going a little crazy here. And I ended up through another iteration. I got another sort of popcorn popper that I modded out with a convection oven on top. And I must have roasted like 700 pounds in that little thing. But as time went on, you know, I was in television and I really, really loved it. I mean, my, I've been blessed in my life. I've never really done anything that I didn't have a lot of fun at. And I really loved it. I traveled the world. I met incredible people. But I always still had this idea of a, of a coffee shop. So I decided to do a business plan. I was a business major in college. And I spent about a year putting together a business plan. And it ended up being 50, 60 pages long with projections, you know, five years out. I mean, all the things you're supposed to have as a business plan. You know, up to and including sitting in Vienna at five in the morning counting cars. Hiring my daughter and her friends to go into a Starbucks and take notes as to what people were ordering at certain times of day as all part of my research. So I had this business plan in hand. Then, you know, and I was looking for locations. So it took about four years and a location would come up. I'd look at it. I'd talk to the landlord. Finally, one day, what I considered to be the perfect location uh, came up. And I was really all of a sudden, you know, like the reality hit. Was I going to leave a job that I really, really loved to go after this, you know, this coffee shop. And there were really three factors that, that led me to, to do this. First was that my mom had passed away about a year before. And I looked at her life and she was an amazing woman and she touched a lot of people in many, many ways. And I thought, you know, what do you leave when you, when you leave this world? You know, what legacy do you leave? Um, and really anything that you leave is how you touch people. So that was sort of a one little building block. The second was I had coached at that time girls basketball for about 15 years. And I had always sort of espoused, especially to girls, that if you say you're going to do something and you put your heart and soul into it, don't ever let anybody um, stop you. And I thought, gosh, I've talked about this for 20 years. And if I don't do it, if for some reason, I, if, if really, bottom line is, if I chicken out now and don't have the guts to do it, how can I continue to espouse that to these young women? Um, I would sort of be hypocritical. And the third was, at that time, I had sort of gotten you know, a bit more spiritually involved. I started going back to church um, and I heard of, you know, all these people were going on missions to, you know, to Haiti and to different places. And I thought, you know, I wanted to sort of do a mission work. And I remember walking down, I was walking down Center Street in Vienna with my best friend. And we were talking about the decision of whether I was going to do this coffee shop at this great location. And we were talking about mission work. And all of a sudden, and that was, this was the biggest aha moment. I thought, you know, I can open the shop and that can be my mission. I can use the shop. I can use the four walls, the brick and mortar of this shop to reach into the community and positively affect people. And I decided, you know, it was funny. I got, I went to my, the folks at Discovery who were great folks and, and, you know, I really loved them. And I asked for a six month leave of absence and they said, Sure which I thought was very generous of them. Um, and so my plan was open the shop, get a manager in there, get it up and running, and then I'd go back to discovery and, and my career. 
and it's 10 years later. And I, I don't think the leave of absence is still there. <laughs> um, it's 10 years later, and, you know, I'm where I am now. You're listening to Leaders and Legends in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Eileen Black, and today we're talking with Michael Mori, owner of Cafe Mori. Michael, I just have so many questions around that. Let's start with your business plan. Um, you, you, that's a very creative approach. So what elements, you know, you know, like 50% of businesses fail. People have great ideas and a lot of passion around it, but to actually execute the way that you did is amazing. So what elements in your business plan did you really think were core to your success? The mission statement. And the mission statement is three words. It has since expanded to four words. And it was quality, community, sustainability. And then recently we opened up our coffee lab and education center and we added knowledge to it. And it might have been 50 pages long, but the core to the business was to always adhere to that mission statement. To not, you know, um, one of the people that I read before at the start of every basketball season was John Wooden, Wizard of Westwood, greatest, the most successful college basketball coach in history. And I would read the first half of his book called Modern Practical Basketball. And it was all about how you define success. And it was about how you don't look. And I would tell my team, you don't look at the scoreboard. If you do those things that you have deemed necessary and that you've worked for and you do those to the best of your ability, the score will take care of itself. And it was always successful in basketball. And I really, that was the core of my business. If I always adhered to quality community sustainability, then the, the profits would take care of themselves. And there is a story we were open for, you know, we opened in the heart of the, right in the teeth of the worst economy in a generation. We had a Starbucks half a block away from us on one side and three blocks away from us on another side. And I cannot tell you how many people sort of shook their head and said, poor Michael, you know, he's, he's not going to make it. And we had been open about a month and a half and I had a, a manager and we had, we decided we were looking at sales. You know, every half hour we'd look at sales and we would see that, yes, we sold another $2 cup of coffee. And all of a sudden it hit me that we weren't really adhering to my base business principle. And I said to her, we can no longer look at sales during the day because every time we do, we're not trying to increase our quality by brewing coffee, by pulling shots, by dialing those in. We're not seeking ways to reach into the community. And what I told her at that time was that if we adhered to those things, if we gave back to the community, and at the end of a year, we had to close our doors because of factors beyond our control, we could still consider ourselves a success because we had done a fundraiser for leukemia research because one of our customers had leukemia, or we had donated to schools, then we would still count ourselves as a success and decided that we weren't going to look at that bottom line. You know, during that time, first year was rough. I took money out of my house and I decided I would do it one time and, but I wasn't going to chase it beyond that. If we didn't make it beyond that, then I would close my doors, but we were going to adhere to the quality community and sustainability. I'm speaking with Michael Amore, owner of Cafe Amore. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black. Welcome to Leaders and Legends in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today we're talking with Michael Amori, 
owner of Cafe Amore. So let's get back to your saying and what it means. You've been talking about community um, and how you adhere to it and how you give back to community, which, you know, from a, from a, a customer's perspective, you can't help but feel it when you walk in your shop. So tell us a little bit about what that means and, and how your shop and, and your business lives by that. You know, I, I honestly think that, and, and to me, it's a business model that can be successful at my level and could be successful for a Fortune 500 company. Um, you know, I went to business school. In business school, they hammered home, you know, profit maximization. That was the key. If you ask me, do I, have we ever maximized profits? It would be No because we see the, the profits as a byproduct of what we, what we do, our mission statement. I think that businesses should, they, businesses expect a community to support them, and it has to be a two-way street. It's a matter of respect. Um, I think that businesses should support the community, and then it's a symbiotic relationship that both um, you know, can prosper from. So that really has been our core of almost a responsibility to give back to the community. Um, and it has, you know, people then like you more. I mean, it's sort of like you could say, well, it's part of your business strategy, but then that sounds cold to say that giving back is a business strategy. Giving back should be giving back. And then you accrue the benefits from that. Well, I've read, uh, I know that, uh, like with the pink ribbons for breast cancer, right? Uh, you, you can't help but walk down the aisles in the grocery store and see, you know, 10% of the products with different emblems mm-hmm. like that on there. Um, I would imagine there's more giving back than others. Um, but you have active involvement in the community. Tell us about some of the things that you've actually done. Oh, we, you know, we do a lot of stuff. Like, you know, every Wednesday we give coffee to three elementary schools and they call it walk to school Wednesday. You give coffee and to little kids? No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because the kids, you know, it really, it, it keeps them engaged early in the morning. Um, no, it's to encourage parents to walk their kids to school. Oh, so you're giving it to the parents. We're giving it. Oh. So we give, they come by, they pick up Cambros of coffee. They nice. set up outside and any parent that walks their kid to school that day gets a free cup of coffee. Wow. So it's, it's that encouragement of family. Um, our biggest community event every year is called Vienna Idol. Uh, Vienna Idol is a sort you know, it's like American Idol, but it's a talent show. It, the, the proceeds from that go to the Kristen Kylo Memorial Fund. Kristen Kylo was a student at James Madison High School who I had the honor of coaching uh, in basketball. And she passed away in her freshman year in college um, to SUDEP, which is Sudden Unexpected Death from Epilepsy. Her parents, um, Tom and Julie, who are amazing people, instead of, which I probably would have done, sort of going into a shell, they decided to use her death in a positive way for the community. So they started the Kristen Kyler Memorial Fund. What that fund does is it gives money to a high school James Madison student who has significant difficulties in their life, in their life environment, that might prohibit them from going to college. Um, They give scholarships. They give, we purchase uh, seizure monitors for epilepsy sufferers so that if they have a seizure, they can be, um, you know, personnel, emergency personnel can be alerted and they give money to SUDEP research. And I'm proud to say this year we're going into our ninth year that we were just shy of giving away uh, $100,000. I think it's been 15 college scholarships and I believe six or seven of the seizure monitors with 
monitoring um, through this program. And it's a wonderful event. Uh, we do we do auditions for two months. We do the semifinals on a big stage in our parking lot during the community event Viva Vienna. And then we have the finals and a concert on the town green on the usually uh, two Fridays after Memorial Day. And last year we had four or 500 people show up on the town green. It was like a little mini Woodstock. It was mm-hmm. great. Beach balls, families. So um, that's the one that I, I'm most proud of. It takes a lot of work. But that, to me, um, really says everything about what we are. So I, I, having been going to your coffee shop for many years, and and it's amazing who you actually see in your coffee shop, too, but one of the most um, distinct differences is that your employees have not changed very much. You have very consistent employees. And, you know, coffee shop employees, Starbucks employees, you know, uh, restaurant employees, they turn over a lot, but for you – you have a, 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 a true royalty, a, a loyalty, I'm sorry. And tell us about how, how, how you value your employees and, and what you do to help develop them and, and keep them because clearly you're doing a great job. Yeah, you know, and I, I, you know, I can give a huge shout out to my staff, to my management team. They're absolutely amazing. Um, the big part of it is that, you know, a business term, return on, on assets is you have to realize your, your main asset isn't your roaster, it isn't your espresso machine, it's your staff. And people always talk about, you know, what's next year's capital budget and how are we going to allocate that capital budget? Well, part of our capital budget every year is training and, and employee development. So my goal, when somebody comes to work for us, you know, we get a lot of guys or women and, and men who are, you know, they're high school, they're college students, you know, like me, don't know what they want to do with their life um, or their recent grads don't know what they want to do with their life. We want to expose them to the possibilities in the coffee industry and of which it's not just being a barista. And I always tell them, you don't see many 50-year-old baristas out there as career people. And it's not just being a shop owner. You know, it can be a a broker, a green bean buyer, a trainer. Um, It can be working with farmers at Origin on environmental projects. We try to expose them to a lot of possibilities. We also make a huge investment in training. Um, probably, I mean, in all honesty, humbly, there's no other coffee shop around that that trains like we do. Um, we spend a lot of money, but I consider that part of my capital budget as opposed to my personnel budget because I'm investing in them. And if they spread their wings and fly and open up another coffee shop, and we've had people do that, then you know, God bless them. You know, we've, we've, we've done our job, but it, but that keeps them, you know, when we hire, we hire people for personality. I don't care about your experience, personality and, and inquisitiveness and curiosity, because if they're curious, we're going to give them enough that they're going, that's going to feed that curiosity. Um, you know, we do staff tastings of coffee, pick the flip, we play games. Here's a coffee, taste it blind, whoever can accurately identify what coffee, where region or, or origin it is, will give you, you know, $5 on your Cafe Mori card. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today we're talking with Michael Mori, owner of Cafe Mori. So clearly, you're both a leader and a legend. Your leadership uh, in, in legendary from a businessman perspective of building a, um, a small business um, 
But I got to tell you, in, in, in defining leaders today, especially in Washington, D.C., in observation in the halls of D.C., and I see leaders all the time, yeah. uh, some <laughs> pretty big leaders in your coffee shop, there's less compromising and more a win or lose attitude. And, and just the very fact that you just talked about your investment, you're not seeing it, it certainly you practice a, a, a better game plan in your business. Um, do you think if if we changed our attitude a little bit on Capitol Hill, that uh, it, it would increase our progress and make our leaders more effective in the government today? <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, it can't be my way or the highway. And that's, and that's in my business. You know, I have a management team of, of five people and they're, you know, and they have their, their roles. It's the lead trainer. It's the maintenance and facilities person. It's, you know, the green bean roaster and purveyor. Um, it's the store manager, but nothing, you know, I don't make any decision without involving everybody. You know, I gather information and then they all understand. I, I might make a decision that's unpopular, but they know why it was made. And they know that their input was really, really critical in making that decision. So it's compromise, it's information gathering, it's what's, you know what the bottom line is? What's best for them? What's best for the business? You know, and on Capitol Hill, what's best for their constituents and what's best for the country? And I think that that's, you know, we're missing some of that sometimes. Coming up next, we'll talk about how marrying your passion with your skills can really drive your career. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legends in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black, and today we're talking with Michael Amore, owner of Cafe Amore. So, like I, I said earlier, I do love your cups of coffee uh, and, and the variety that you have in your menu. They're, they're very creative, especially your, your signature coffee, Cafe Amore. But um, what goes into really crafting an amazing cup of coffee? I, I'm, it's a lot more complicated than when I'm just using my next Nespresso machine. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it is complicated. One of the things I think I liked about coffee and roasting coffee was the fact that it was sort of a combination of art and science. And since I was never particularly good at either one of those, um, it was really nice to find my place in the middle. Understanding. And, and you know, I'm a curious person by nature, and I want to be really, really good. And so, you know, we go to classes, you know, myself and, you know, my daughter works for me. Um, she's our lead roaster, um, but we're both what they call licensed Arabica Q graders. Um, we have, you know, on staff, we have nine SCA certified baristas, four um, authorized trainers from the SCA. It's education, understanding that coffee is more than just, um, you know, putting grounds in a basket and brewing it. So I think that it really is knowledge um, and, and respect. You know, we just got back a week ago from a trip to Columbia where we, um, uh, Kayla, my store manager, um, Nikki, and myself went and we stayed at a farm where we have a direct trade relationship with them. This is a coffee bean farmer. You a, went to Columbia. Farm, you right. have a small shop in Vienna and you went to Columbia to deal directly with your source right. of coffee. That's amazing. Um, and we got the opportunity there to, we stayed at the farm, a beautiful little farmhouse, this amazing family who 
who's been doing it for generations. And they were so gracious and so kind. And, you know, mom every day was making us homemade chorizo sausage. And it was, oh, let me tell you, it was wonderful. But we went out on the farm. We picked coffee beans. We washed the coffee. We helped to, I, I say we helped. We probably hindered more than we helped. They gave us the opportunity to um, rotate the on the drying bed. But, you know, you come back with an appreciation and a respect that, really transfers to the business. You know, we have an understanding and one of the things we've always trained, but now we can do it firsthand to our staff. There is so much love and work that goes into getting that coffee bean to our shop that we have a responsibility to honor it. You know, we're the last step in the supply chain from roasting it and serving it. So it's, it's an understanding of the people involved at every step of that chain. It, it also probably doesn't hurt to develop that relationship because they're deciding where their beans go, left or right, right? Right. And, and you probably get pretty good beans. Oh, yeah. Some of their yeah. top, Yes, right? and, they're, so and they're amazing. Good business. And, you know, and we do we pay more than if we go through a broker? A lot of times we do, but that money's going right to the farmer. Good. And so it's, you know, it, when I say sustainability is part of our mission statement, it's not just environmental sustainability, it's human sustainability. You're a small business supporting small businesses. Right, exactly. Now, let's get to the roasting part because, like I said, it's just amazing when you walk into your shop and you smell, it just wafts out the door and you just like, <laughs> okay, can I just, you know, just stand there and, and bathe in it? Um, and what amazing. So are there different methods? How do you now when you walk into your shop, just to give the listeners, uh, listeners a view of this, for one thing, it's very vintage. You have all these incredible uh records on the wall, but you also have these jars across the back with all different types of coffees that you mm-hmm. could buy. And they have a, uh, in having tried several, they, they have a tremendous difference in flavor. So can we talk about your different types of beans and and how you treat them differently that produce a different flavor? Sure. Um, there's, there's, you know, first there's the, the origin, the bean origins. And that's when you look at the jars on the wall, you're seeing beans from around the world from Rwanda, from Ethiopia, from Colombia, from Costa Rica, from Sumatra, from Papua New Guinea, on and on and on. So each, each bean varietal or from, from those origins will have an inherent flavor characteristic itself from that origin. Then is the roasting process. Now in the roasting process, we can, we can do amazing things with the flavor of coffee. We can accentuate the acidity, we can accentuate the sweetness, the body, the aftertaste. Um, that falls on our roaster, who is a master roaster. When we get a, a new bean in, we sample roast it, we cup it, we tweak it. We go back, we roast it again, we tweak it, um, really to highlight what that bean has to offer. Um, a lot of roasters take a philosophy like everything has to be light, everything has to be dark. Um, our philosophy is the bean will tell you what it should be. Now, our roaster will literally, will cup it, and if she makes a slight change, the roast profile is the time and temperature continuum as you develop flavors in the bean. She can make minute changes, six-second changes in that temperature and in that development and change the flavor of the coffee. Um, it's really amazing. Um, we have a class that we teach. It's called one of my favorite, called tasting the the uh, the, prof, the tasting the roast. And what she does in this class is she takes one bean, you know, from one origin, say Guatemala, roasts it to the same darkness level, 
So same drop temperature, but in that class, they'll have four different profiles and then they'll cup those coffees. And and everybody's always uh, amazed how different the coffee tastes. Same, same roast level, degree of darkness, but just by changing how you got to there, um, that changes the flavor of the coffee. That's the art and the science of roasting that, that love. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today we're talking with Michael Amari, owner of Cafe Amari. So let's get back to that uh, training. So you're a coffee shop. You're you can you roast beans. You sell uh, you know different types of coffees there. And you just brought up that you have some classes that anybody on the street can take. Yes, um, a year and a half ago, it was April of or uh, May of 2018. We were able to expand in the space next to us, which our original space was 900 square feet. So it was really small and got really crowded. It used to get very crowded. yes. Um, but by being able to expand, not only did we were able to open the seating up, which was really nice, but we opened up a coffee lab and education center, which has been a dream. I love teaching. I was a basketball coach. I like. I think it's fun. Um, in this, we then got certification uh, as a specialty coffee association premier campus, and there's like 40 of them in the country, and which means that we can teach at the highest level of training in the uh, professional pathways. Um, certification level for coffee professionals. But we also decided that we wanted to have consumer classes. So we have a ton of consumer classes and it's really funny because at first it was like we'd sell one to a class or two. Well, now they're selling out. The minute we announce what the classes are, they're selling out. And they're from home roasting to roasting to barista to latte art to brewing. And it's really sort of taken hold. And what's, what's fun about it is, you know, a lot of people always ask me, why haven't I opened a second store? Um, success of this coffee shops always open two, three, four shops. Well, number one, it's a lot of work. Um, and if you're not, if you, if you're not gonna have fun in it, I want to have fun in it. Um, but number two is I'm much more interested in the education aspect. And from a business standpoint, there's lots of coffee shops, but there's no other education labs or, or coffee centers, you know, education centers. If somebody on uh, who's one of our listeners is interested in, in finding out when you might have classes or trying to catch it at that last minute, how can they find out? Uh, our website, Cafe Mori, C-A-F-F-E-A-M-O-U-R-I.com. And then under the knowledge uh, tab, we have a full listing of, of all our upcoming classes. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Eileen Black, and today I'm talking with Michael Amori, owner of Cafe Amori. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Eileen Black, and today I'm talking with Michael Amori, owner of Cafe Amori. So, Michael, I, you can really hear your passion about what you're doing, and you, you clearly love it. So I'm going to ask you two separate questions. Um, do you believe that has helped you with your success? And then what's the what's next for you in coffee or the next big thing in coffee? Um, I think that, you know, it's passion is, is certainly a word. I've never really used that so much as um, joy and fun. You know, I, I get a tremendous amount of joy in, in what I do. I love interacting with my staff and my customers, and I also love – trying to be the best. I mean, that, that really has always been my, my goal. In my original mission statement, I had in there as my, my goals, one of them was to 
win Washingtonian Magazine Best Independent Coffee House. Which you did. Which I did. And, you know, and so my goals were never, I want to sell this much or make this much money. It was more, you know, I say maybe it was more egocentric goals, but I never really wanted to do something that I didn't have fun with. And I'm just having a blast with this. And 10 years in, I'm still having a blast with it. Um, so there's passion, but I, I see it more as continuing to derive joy from it. So um, let's go to what's the next big thing in the world of coffee. Is there some trend that we see coming that we should all be, you know, looking out for or different, uh, you know, over the years, uh, you know, uh, coffees and what you get in coffee shops have changed a lot. And mm -hmm. Like I had mentioned earlier, you're, you have a wide variety of coffees and teas um, in your shop. Is there a trend that you're seeing that um, we should look out for or try? You know, it's interesting because we we tend to not be a trendy coffee shop. Um, you know, it took me a year to bring in cold brew because I had I had you know I wasn't really crazy about it. Um, you know, nitro coffee, which a lot of people love, and that's fine. To me, those are sort of gimmicks. Um, what I see as the trend in coffee and what I want to learn more about is in processing and processing at the origin level, whether it's washed or natural or honey. And I went to one place in Costa Rica when we went two years ago and they were doing anaerobic processing, um, which is a whole new, a whole other, uh, you know, I could go on for an hour about that. I want to learn more about that. Um, but I think that's the trend in how origin is changing the flavor of coffee by how they process it once the cherries are picked. And that's a trend I like because it's a natural trend um, utilizing the agricultural product that is coffee and not trying to change its flavor afterwards. So let's let's take a step back and talk about Michael Murray. Um, uh -oh. So is... <laughs> uh, was there someone that inspired you or an event that shaped you that, you know, in, it, it, kind of built you that allowed you to take these risks to start a small business, stop being a TV producer, jumping from a, a other job. I, you know, you, your journeys are, are, are pretty amazing. Um, you know, it's not a straight line. No, it's not. No. <laughs> um, you know, I got a point to my mom and dad, um, you know, although each step of the way they would sort of shake their head and go, really? Because, you know, I worked at the state department for a few years decided that it wasn't for me, ended up taking a job as a production secretary on a, I didn't know it was a freelance gig, I thought it was a full-time gig at um, WETA, and my parents shook their head. You know, really, you're leaving a government job to them, a government job, State Department, that was the American dream. Then I was at, uh, you know, I was at WETA for eight years, had my own production company for 15 at Discovery. Then I decided to leave and open my own shop and my mom had passed away and my dad shook his head and go, really, you have a great career. You're really good at what you do. You're respected. You get vacation and retirement and you're going to open a coffee shop. But yet they always supported me. You know, they would shake their head and just sort of roll their eyes, but they were there for me. And the risk taking wasn't part of their DNA. Um, you know, they were from, I'm second generation. So they were from a different generation, you know, get a job work hard, raise a family, move to the suburbs, retire. Um, but they never, you know, they never said anything other than shaking their heads and going, oh, okay, whatever. But I knew they had my back. So if I failed, 
you know, they would be there for me. And that was the security that I needed. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Michael Mori, owner of Cafe Mori. So, Michael, if if we have a listener out there would like to follow in your footsteps and um, maybe start a small business, or if you were going back to, you know, even Michael at 22 years old, what pearls of wisdom or pieces of advice would you give them? I have two. And I get people to come in the shop and say, I want to do this and I want to start a business. Can I talk to you? And I, you know, I'm always ready to talk to them. The first one is have fun. And I made a decision probably 15 years ago that I really didn't want to do anything that in my life if I wasn't going to have some fun at it. And the couple of times I violated that didn't work out, failed. Um, when I follow it, uh, you know, even if I, even if it's not the hugest success, I can still say I had fun. And the second is write a business plan, spend the time. Um, I did another endeavor that didn't work out and I didn't write a business plan and, you know, and it, and it showed, you know, take your time, write a business plan, get your information. That is your, your blueprint for success. And I go back now and I look at my original business plan and it's funny how 10 years down the road, um, how close it is to, to what ended up becoming. You've been listening to Leaders and Legend in Government. My guest today is Michael Amore, owner of Cafe Amore. Michael, I want to thank you for joining us today and sharing your personal journey and some very valuable advice. I'm Eileen Black. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black. Subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.